I always forget to do this during the welcome. We have people online listening to us, so welcome to those online. Um, We miss you if you're um, here in town, but we miss you if you're around the world too, so we're glad that you joined us. Again, I read the comments on Mondays, maybe not tomorrow because I'll be at camp, but I'll get there and reply if you have any questions about anything. And welcome here in person. It's always good to see your faces, your joyful, smiling faces, and handshakes, hugs, whatever. It's always a joy to come in and worship together as fellow followers of Christ and searchers for Christ too. Um, Don't assume anything. The person next to you may be just saying, who is this Jesus? And we need to point people to Jesus. Um, Let's pray today. Um, One specific request that I'm going to pray for, Marilyn has surgery tomorrow about 1.40 in Lansing. Correct, Marilyn? So I'm going to pray for that. But think of Marilyn tomorrow as she's going to have surgery tomorrow. So let's pray um, for that today and also just some other needs around the world. Remember Habakkuk saying the same things we're saying today. So we're going to dive into Habakkuk again this morning. So let's pray. And while I'm praying, please pray for me as I follow the Spirit as I preach today. So as I pray, you pray as well, okay? God, thank you so much for being the God on the throne. You are in control. You're above everything. You are even watching us right now. We gather together to praise your name And we've done that through song. We've done that through remembering Jesus dying for our sins and setting people free from that sin. And now we come to the Word of God, which is so powerful. It even pierces our hearts. Help us to be convicted where we need to be convicted. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of me and the lives of the people listening today. Be with the children's ministry going on even at this moment. Help them to be pointed to Jesus and to learn to love Jesus and follow Jesus. And tomorrow we think of Marilyn Russell as she goes into surgery. Please bring comfort to her and just the strength that she needs to get through it. Be with the physicians, whoever takes care of her. Help them to be wise in whatever they need to do to help Marilyn out And we know that you're in control. So watch over all of the different circumstances, different situations that will happen this week. You are over it. You're with us. Help us to remember that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This week, well, last week I asked a couple questions. When we come to God's Word, are you excited? Remember that question? So I ask you again, are you excited when you come to God's Word? Are you excited? Or are you just saying, well, it's an old book, I'll read it, I'll listen to it, but it's nothing for me. But are you actually excited? I read an article this week, the title of the article, it was written on July 7th this year. It says, Americans should open their Bibles. That was the title of the article, so I was like, I gotta read that. At the end of the article... The writer said this, near the end, Despite its influence on political discourse, the Bible is most importantly a book that tells of God's involvement and salvific intervention in the history of humankind. We see that. God is for us, God is with us, and God is, has His hand over this. World, 
each life. And there's a salvific message throughout the whole Bible. Are you excited when you go to it? I'm excited. Well, sometimes I'm like, I'm excited, but I'm kind of nervous excited because I'm like, what's going to be in there this time? Because like I tell you every week, I learn something every week. I study. I haven't studied Habakkuk in a while, so these past few weeks have been eye-opening. Because Habakkuk is, remember, short, but it's a glimpse into his conversation with God. I'm going to give you a glimpse into my journal to give you an idea of what it looks like to get into the mind of somebody having a conversation with God and looking forward to the future. Saying, what's going to happen, God? This is what I wrote July 4th, 2021. Lincoln Way Christian Church service was good. Steve Baker spoke from John 4 about worship. A thing that hit me today was worshiping God can occur anywhere, even in the unexpected places. Also, I just felt really emotional during the service. I believe it was me thinking about future ministry and what it may look like or be like. I'm excited to see how God will work through me as a senior minister. July 4th, 2021. That's what I wrote down. That's the same thing with Habakkuk. He gets you, there's a glimpse of this conversation that he has, this diary conversation. He was talking to God. There's nothing about going to the people and saying this yet. It's all a conversation. It's mind-blowing because we get that. This past week, also last year, I was preparing to preach a trial sermon at Ferris. This past week, that was what last year was all about. Well, and you know the answer to what happened, right? I'm here. Doesn't God work through prayer, through anything? Another glimpse. You see it in verse 1 of last week. We might not even get to this. I don't even know. But the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received, and then you get to today. We're, I'll get there later. Because chapter 2, verse 2 says, write down a revelation. Another word is vision. But I'm going to give you an example of something that happened to me this week later. So Habakkuk the prophet, remember, receives this prophecy. And the Hebrew word is masa. Remember, it means prophecy, oracle, an utterance, or the burden. The King James Version says, the burden of Habakkuk. So this is something that's weighty, that's making him stagger as he walks around. And even talking to God, he's like, this is heavy stuff, God. Why, are you, why is this happening to me? Why is the world around me falling apart? So it's a burden for this prophet. And remember, his name means embrace. So the embracer is embracing this burden and saying, God, do something about this world, please. He's a spokesperson for God. He interacts with who? The sovereign Lord. He's in control. God is in control and Habakkuk goes to God, the almighty God, and has a conversation with him. Carl Armerding, in his commentary, writes this, Habakkuk was unique among the prophets because he did not speak for God to the people, but rather spoke to God about his 
people and nation. There are times in my office where I speak to God about you all. Because I have no idea what's going on in the week and a name pops up to me and I says, God, I don't know what's happening, but you know what's happening. Please watch over them, protect them. He goes to God and says, look at this nation around me, God. Do something. Habakkuk understood, like us today, right, that the world is chaotic. Isn't it? Is it chaotic? You read any news article or news station, there's something happening, whether it's sinfulness, wickedness, violence, physical cruelty, injustice is all around us. And Habakkuk knew and understood there's a safe place to go with the questions. The Almighty Sovereign God. He knows it. He goes there first. I said that last week. He knew God's in control. And who did he go to first? He went to God. And then he voices his frustration, his complaints, his confusion of the world around him. And God answers him in an unexpected way, right? I'm going to raise up the Babylonians to handle the wickedness of the nation of Israel. And Habakkuk's response, we're going to get his response today. So here we go. Chapter 1, verse 12. And like last week, I'm, I won't apologize. There's no title. But I'm not going to apologize because that's just the weeks I've been having. There's no title to the message. You're getting the prophet's voice. And hopefully you will be led by the Holy Spirit to what it says because there's some hard stuff in here but it is encouraging as we finish this section. There's encouraging hope that's ahead. So chapter 1, verse 12. Here we go. Are you ready? Because you said you were excited when you're coming to the Word of God. You said that, all of you. I think all of you said yes. So as we go here, if there's one phrase that pops out to you, hold on to that. If there's one truth you gain from this message, hold on to it and run out there and just use it in this chaotic world. Use it because you're not going to know everything. We're not going to understand it all, but we can understand a little bit more than we did yesterday. Here we go. Habakkuk 1.12. If you didn't know already, I'm very excited because Habakkuk is a prophet like us. We learned in the James series, Elijah was a man like us. We can pray like Elijah. Habakkuk is a human being like us. That's why I'm excited every time I read stories of individuals because we're like them. We can go to God even in the frustration. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you ever sit alone and just want to cry out to God in frustration and anger about what you see out there? I do. And Habakkuk, I think, no, I believe, because it's in the Bible and it's God's word, we can do the same. It's okay to do it. Here we go. That was enough introduction, I think. Habakkuk 1.12. Now this is after the Lord answers him saying, the Babylonians, I'm raising them up. Remember, the Babylonians are not going on their own. God's raising them up to do something. Lord, verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? Now that's not a question of like, are you from everlasting? God? He, that's kind of a question like, I know you're the everlasting God. I know it. 
my God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks, catches them in his net, gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net, burns incense to his dragnet, For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk responds to the Lord's answer that we read about last week. He responds again, and he responds in a way, in a a kind of different way that says, God, do something else. I know you said you're going to raise up the Babylonian, but can you do something else? Please, don't use that wicked nation. Please, do something else. Do we do not, I think we do the same thing. Don't do that, God. Why don't you do this instead? So I think that's kind of Habakkuk's, thinking here because you get at the end he's going to stand and just wait for another answer he's like what's God going to answer me now one preacher said this and it's so true he said a look up is better than a look out when you look on the news newspapers news stations people in the grocery store you just walk outside If you looked around you, you'd be like, okay, I don't even want to look out. I want to turn everything off. I want to shut down. So a look out is not the way to go. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be confused. We're going to be like, just want to curl up. But if we look up first to the sovereign God and say, God, I know you're in control and whatever's going on, I'm going to keep my eyes on you and focus on you. That's what Habakkuk is doing. He says, I'm going to you, God. I'm not going to look around. I know what's going on around me, but I'm not going to do it for very long. I'm going to look up. And that's what we need to do too. And you see there, this is so, this is cool. He starts off, my God, my Holy One. Does anybody know the Hebrew word for holy? Probably not. Anybody? The Hebrew word is kadosh. Everybody say that. Kadosh. If you've only remember one thing, remember this word. Because look at the definition. He says, my God, my holy one. Kadosh means of God as separate, apart, and so sacred, holy. And here's the key in Habakkuk's context separate from human infirmity, impurity, and sin. My Holy One. Habakkuk saying, I see the sinfulness and wickedness all around. But God, You are none of that. You are holy. You are kadosh. Separate from everything else. 
You're the perfect one without any fault, without any sin, wickedness, anything. And Habakkuk states that. He's the one in control. He's the one that's separate from sinfulness, separate from wickedness. There's nothing in him that's wicked. And God is the Holy One. Jack Cottrell writes this. He's a Christian theologian for many years. And Jack Cottrell writes this. As far as God is concerned, there is nothing more unclean than sin. Thus, He is totally separate from it in the sense that there is no hint of it in His nature, will, or actions. No hint of it. You think of God as the Holy One and is perfect. He's perfect. Some people will be frustrated with God and say, well, God doesn't love people if He's doing this. He's raising up the Babylonians to take care of the wickedness. But God is separate from sin. He's not, no hint of it anywhere in His nature. And then right after it, you, my rock. Raise your hand on this one. Your translation, is it capitalized? Whose is capitalized? I hope all of them because I didn't look in every translation. I don't see all hands. Is it capitalized? Okay. What does capitalized mean? It's a proper name. This is a proper name of God. The Hebrew word is sur. It's, a, it's figurative of God as support and defense of His people. But in this case, it's a name for God. Habakkuk calls God my rock, my defense, my support. Do you ever cry out to God saying, God, you are my rock, capital R. Not the little rocks out here. But you're the rock that supports me, that defends me. What a cool picture of God. Remember, I love names and definitions. Those are names of God. Holy One is capitalized. Rock is capitalized. These are names we can call out to God in the midst of a chaotic world. And then you get to verse 14 and 15. These, I wish Denny Hansen was here because these are fishing metaphors. He always talks about fishing. I hope he's listening because if you, don't, if you talk to Denny for a minute, you're going to hear some fishing, right? And I wish he was here because these are fishing metaphors. I'm going to be like, Denny, what does this mean? Please tell me, Denny. There's an hooks, there's net, and there's a drag net right in a row. You know what hooks are, right? If you go fishing and you put a hook on your line, what kind of fish are you going to pick up? The stuff on the what? The surface, right? One at a time. Okay, you're not going to catch, I hope, well, I don't know. Cody, can you catch like three, four fish on one hook? <laughs> if you're really, really good, like, like Denny, okay? Like Denny. Denny catches fish all the time, right, Cody? Your dad catches, he says he catches fish all the time. But a hook, you catch one fish at a time. And you look at it, and what do you do? You can keep it or throw it away, right? You're like, eh, I need a two-pound bigger, so I'm going to throw it back. Then you get to the net, though. What's a net? You're not going to just catch one fish, right? You're going to catch as many as you can on the surface, right? 
three, four, five, maybe ten. You can still pick it up and decide which fish you want and throw some back. I keep five, throw five. But then you get to the dragnet. What is a dragnet? I had no idea. Okay. But if you go to the word, a dragnet, you drag it, right? This is the net that gets on the bottom. And you're getting all the fish that's on the bottom that goes in that net. You might not get the little ones. They'll escape. One commentary said this is a picture of the Babylonians. First, they capture who? Daniel and the royal people, right? We're reading Daniel as a family, and Habakkuk is the same time as Daniel. So the Babylonians take the royal people captive. And then they start taking the net, the net. They start taking more. They pick and choose which other ones. And then finally the dragnet, and they take everybody. The Babylonians are taking Israelites captive. Piece by piece. Royalty first, and then all the others that we can get. And what's left over? The, the fish that get out of the net. They don't need them because they're just so insignificant that they're stayed behind. The Babylonians don't want those people. They just leave them behind. So, that was one commentary, okay? You don't have to agree with that. But if you see that, it makes sense. Because Daniel and his friends, the royalty, are first, and then it just happens to go from there. So, Denny, if you're listening, fishing metaphors are in the Bible. So be excited about that. Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. This is when Habakkuk says, okay, I'm waiting, God. I'm going to stop. I'm going to sit here and wait and watch for what you're going to answer. Okay? Do you ever wait and watch? Do you ever pray something and just wait for the answer? I have to be honest, sometimes you pray, or I pray, and just go along with my day and not wait for the answer. I forget. But Habakkuk stands, stations himself, so that means he's going to rest and wait, and he's going to look to see what God is going to answer. And then here's the Lord's reply. So if you're writing notes, number one, Habakkuk knew that the Lord was in control and he anticipated what he's going to answer next. So he knows God's in control and he's going to wait for an answer. That's number one. Do we do the same? Habakkuk 2, starting in verse 2 and 3. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. God replies to Habakkuk with instructions. Have you ever cried out to God and got vivid instructions that God tells you? Like the Holy Spirit is kind of guiding you to do this. And you don't do it. Habakkuk gets this instruction. Write it down, Habakkuk. 
And what do we have? Is it written down? Is it written down? Right here. He wrote it down. Not in English probably, but he wrote it down. Write down this revelation. Write it down. Another word, if you have a translation that says vision, that's another word for it. A vision. So write this down. You're actually seeing this, Habakkuk, so you've got to write it down. And make it plain on tablets. So what does that mean? Just write it down so people will understand it. Write it down plainly, clearly. Do you ever get something, in, an instruction from somebody, and you're like, I have no idea what they're writing? You're like calling them up. What do you, what do you mean by this? I don't understand. But Habakkuk is instructed, write it plainly so everybody can read it and understand it. Because it's a warning. This whole book, this vision, this oracle, this burden is a warning. And he says, write it down. The Lord tells Habakkuk to write it down. And Bradley Cobb says in his commentary, I thought this was interesting because we probably see these more often than not. Maybe not in the countryside, but the idea of making it plain enough so that someone running could read it this. Imagine a billboard. Billboards contain large letters and short to-the-point messages so that the ones who are driving by can still read them. Habakkuk's prophecy was to be written in such a way that even those in a hurry could see and understand what it says. So God says, write it extremely clearly so people can take it and run with it. And as they're running, they can read it. My translation says herald, so that a herald may run with it. And I love that translation because we have it, right? We have it in front of us. So I can take this and run with it and go proclaim it to other people. We have it written down. So write it down, make it plain, so that a herald may run with it. A herald is one who just proclaims a message, right? A herald is one that proclaims a message. So number two instruction for you today. Habakkuk was instructed to write the vision down plainly so that whoever reads it may run with it. And I have some questions for you. Are you a herald? Are you being a herald today? Are you conveying the good news of the gospel message? Are we proclaiming the name of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life? Are we actively promoting or advocating the truth or for the truth? Are we doing that today? Habakkuk is instructed to write it down plainly so people can take it and run with it or if they're in a hurry they can read it and understand it and be warned are we doing the same today if you write something down is it clear if you say something is it clear this week this happened to me write down the revelation Write down a vision. I had a dream, okay? I dream every night. Sometimes I remember them. And there was a person in the dream 
that I know. And it was so vivid that this person was so exhausted, so, not frustrated, but he was just physically, emotionally exhausted in my dream. I woke up the next morning. I got to my office, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about this dream, and I'm like, I have to text or call this person. And I did. And this person was exhausted, was physically, emotionally exhausted. And it was encouraging to him that I texted him saying, I had this dream. And you were physically, emotionally exhausted in it. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm not saying you're going to get dreams every night that are that impactful. But if you have a dream of somebody you know in it, text them, call them. Especially if it's a dream that it's like, I can't get it out of my head. Write it down. Plainly. Take it so somebody else can take it and run with it. And this person told co-workers that about it and they were like wow verses four and five and we're going to finish here because next week we're going to kind of dive into the last phrase of chapter verse four next week verse four see the enemy is puffed up his desires are not upright but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Habakkuk, these verses, this answer from God give a glimmer of hope. There's hope. The enemy is all around and the enemy is all about themselves. They're like, we're going to take over. We're going to do all that we can. And we're going to, you know, we're going to be proud about it. This is what we're doing. The Babylonians, this is what we're doing. They're puffed up. They're all about themselves. They believe that everything they're going to do is the best way. Their way is the best. And they're going to take out all the captives. They're going to take everybody captive. But... What does it say there? He's greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. They're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and never be satisfied. But in the middle of those two verses, God gives this glimmer of hope. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness or her faithfulness. Or by their faith. Another translation. So number three, if you're writing down, Habakkuk provides those who read this burden a glimmer of hope. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness or faith. This verse is quoted three times in the New Testament. Remember last week I quoted Habakkuk 1.5 is quoted by Paul in the New Testament in Acts. This verse, the the righteous person will live by his faithfulness or faith is quoted three times in the New Testament. Write these down because we're going to kind of go into them next week a little bit. 
Romans 1, 16 and 17. Galatians 3, 10 and through 14. It has it in there. But that's the context. I want you to get the whole context. Hebrews 10, 36 to 39. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Galatians 3, 10 through 14. And Hebrews 10, 36 to 39. Three times. A good preacher friend of mine that I, I did play golf with on July 4th. He said, he always says this when he gets up on it, when he preaches, he always says this to his congregation. He says, if it's repeated, it's important. And the righteous will live by faith. It's important. And it provides hope because faith is It's probably the best thing. Because if you were here last week, and I'm going to give you a glimpse if you weren't, remember the Hebrew word for faith or faithfulness is emunah. It means certainty, faithfulness. So you're living in this faithfulness, this certainty that God's in control. God is sovereign over everything. And I'm going to live by faith and faithfulness. That's emunah. In the New Testament, the faith word is pistis, which is a conviction based upon hearing. Remember the question I asked earlier. When you come to God's Word, are you excited? When you come to God's Word, are you excited to learn something? And then I ask another question. If you are convicted of something, are you going to change? That's faith. A conviction based upon hearing. When I hear the Word of God, I'm convicted of it and I need to change. I'm going to do something about it. That's faithfulness. That's faith. The righteous person will live by faith. We're going to go into those verses next week. But I want to invite you. You've heard it. You've heard God's word today. Some people don't want to say this is God's word anymore. It's so old. It's not God's word. It's out of date. It's not. You've heard it. How will you receive it? How will you use it? What will you do with what you receive today? Now, this is a statement you probably hear often, but today. Everybody say today. Today is the day of salvation. God's word is God's involvement in the world and salvific redemption. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, we see it. Today is the day of salvation. You have two choices here to make. Oh, there's multiple choices, but I'm going to give you two that you could do right now. Today. Am I still on? Okay, I'm losing myself, I think. We've heard about the Lord's Supper, why Jesus came to die for our sins on the cross. You repent of your sins. You say, God, I can't do it any other way. I've been trying on my own for a long time and I can't do it. I need to repent of my sins and say, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. I'm going to confess that. And then you believe that. And a story we read recently, I read in Acts, you know, I think of Sunday school last week. Yes. Philip goes to the chariot. Remember that? Of the eunuch's chariot. And Philip explains from the scriptures who Jesus is. And what did the eunuch say? At the end, hey, Philip, there's water here. 
What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip got down, baptized the eunuch, and then vanished. That won't happen to me today, but if you have confessed Jesus as Lord and you say, I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit comes in you and remember, I'm going to walk over there for a second. When you go into the water, okay, understand what happens. You are lifted up out of that water, raised to a new life. You're baptized into death. You're buried with Christ. And then you're raised to new life because who was raised from the dead? Jesus. Is he dead? He's alive. And he clothes you with righteousness and faith. Remember, the righteous person will live by faith. You're clothed with righteousness of Jesus and now you can live by faith knowing that Jesus has saved you. It doesn't stop there. When I was 12 years old, I was in the water with my dad. He baptized me and I rose. Did it stop there? Could I said, oh, I've been dunked by my dad. Into Christ, I'm good. It doesn't stop there. Don't do it that way. Don't say, well, the water is going to do something to me. It's not the water. God comes in you. Jesus saves you. The Holy Spirit comes in you. And now you're living a new life that, let me tell you, it's a rocky road, but it's a fun rocky road. Isn't it? It's tough. It's hard. But what happens also, I always say this, when you come out of the water, who's celebrating with you? First, the angels in heaven. They're excited. But who else? The people right here. My dad brought me up out of the water. And who was singing and celebrating and saying, we're with you in this, Keith? Who was saying it? Everybody out there. The Christian life is not one that's alone. And Habakkuk, I could kind of see Habakkuk being alone here, but he's like, God, you are there. You're my rock. You're the holy one. You're going to do something. And this glimmer of hope, the righteous will live by faith. So that's choice number one. And if you don't have a church home family, you could do that today. We celebrated last week. We had, you know, JD came forward and said, I want to join Ferris family. And I always tell JD, haven't you always been a member here? (laughs) So you can join this family and then we'll just keep encouraging each other. And fighting for the faith and contending for the faith and being righteous people that live by faith and faithfulness. And as we take God's word and go out there and be heralds and say, hey, I got some good news for you. Jesus died for you and the sins of the whole world and he can save you and transform your life and then you can live a life that's not easy, but you can live a life with the Holy Spirit and with other people encouraging you because it's not alone. You're never alone in the race of faith because you got, first of all, Jesus on your side. You got the Holy Spirit and you also got, we got me, but you also got the people around you. Habakkuk, 
is hard. The world around us is hard to look at. But I'll steal what the preacher said that I quoted earlier. A look up is better than a look out. Don't fix your eyes on something out there. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, finisher, perfecter, completer of faith. That's where we got to fix our eyes. So as we sing this last song, if you're... If you have pistis, a conviction based upon hearing, do something about it. Let's pray. God, I know this is a hard prophet, this hard vision that you told Habakkuk to write down. But today there's this glimmer of hope that the righteous person will live by faith. God, Jesus came to Seek and to save the lost. He came to save people from their sins. So I pray today as we sing this last song that we'll believe that. We'll live by faith and always keep that in mind because every Sunday we celebrate it. We remember Jesus. But do we actually remember it and live by faith? Do we have that as an energy boost to go out and be a herald and proclaim Jesus to those around us? So I pray for these people that have listened to it today that they would be people of faith. That we would impact people around us in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus, there's no other name, and Jesus changes lives. It's in his beautiful name we pray. Amen.